Welcome to Point with Daryl Jones, speaker and lead pastor of the Rock Fellowship Church in Miami, Florida, and president of Point Ministries. Our goal at Point Ministries is to point you to the Word of God, where Jesus is the point. Today's message is from the series, Ordinary People, Extraordinary Experiences, where Dr. Jones teaches how God uses everyday normal people to accomplish amazing things for the kingdom of God. Now let's join them for today's message. Today's title is From Laughing to Leading. Well, today we're going to look at a particular person that we know them on that backside of it where this person was kind of a, a juggernaut in the faith. And his beginning wasn't so much so like we would think. And yes... I'm talking about James, the brother of Jesus. Yes, James, the brother of Jesus. You may be sitting here like, hold on, hold on. Jesus ain't had no brothers. Mary was a virgin. Yes, she was. Jesus is the big brother. But Jesus did have, we know, four of the brothers and at least two sisters. We see this in Matthew 13. We see this in Mark. We see, and, and, and James is the first one named. So when you look at both times that the list is given, in Matthew's gospel and in Mark's gospel, uh, he, he was the, the brother right under Jesus. Now, I know you'd be sitting there like, well, hold on. Maybe, maybe Joseph had, Matthew is very clear in chapter 1, verse 25, that he was married to Mary. He kept her as a wife. She gave birth to Jesus. And it says that he did not know her. That's that biblical no. Until after Jesus was born. So they came together as husband and wife and under God's blessing. And so uh, she had four more boys. James, uh, Joseph, Judas, or Jude as we know him, and Simon, and then he had sisters. So, Jesus, you know, they, they, they had a big family. James was Jesus' brother, and he had one of those strong Bible names. You know, in the Old Testament, it wasn't as popular. It was for the patriarch because James is a derivative of Jacob. What we know is Jacob, you know, the, the patriarch. Jacob became Israel, right? It's strong. Now, that became a very common name in first century Israel. What would you think life would be like that you're growing up and James, you're following in the footsteps of the person that everybody's saying is, is Messiah. That's James's reality. Now, what's amazing is when we look later in James's life, he is a bulwark. I like that name. It's just something strong in the faith. You know, he's a leader in the Jerusalem church. After the Christ event, the life, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus, we find in Galatians 1, he is an apostle. He's an apostle. Like, hold on, hold on. He, he, but you, of course, that Jesus' brother, of course he would be an apostle, right? You know, in Acts, you see all of a sudden it's this rise of James in Acts. And at first it seemed like Peter was the leader of Jerusalem church. But all of a sudden there's this shift when Peter goes away that now James is the leader of the church. And Paul goes on to say and call him in Galatians 2, he calls him a pillar of the church. Now, I'm painting this picture because we're talking about a very strong, godly leader. He was known for his commitment to the word of God. He was known for his commitment to the law of God. He was known for his commitment to God's salvation through Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. 
And yet even he grew in understanding because in Acts 15, he gives the final verdict at the Jerusalem council. Now, why do I say that? Because this is important. This is important to understand about James's life. About James's life. James was one who, he, he was still thinking that the salvation uh, was, was for the Jews. That, you know, Jesus was the Messiah. He came for the Jews. But then he was having this kind of conflict or crisis of faith because Paul, or Saul of Tarsus, Paul and Barnabas going out and they're sharing and Gentiles coming to Christ. And then Peter gets this vision from God. He goes to Cornelius, who's a Roman, and, 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 and he's a Gentile. And he comes and gets saved. The Holy Spirit comes on them. And they have this counsel. They're like, what is God doing? Peter got up and told about his experience. Paul and Barnabas got up, told about what God was doing. And James went to the word of God. He says, hey, well, the prophet spoke. He quotes Amos and he alludes to other prophets. And he gives a verdict like, who are we to get in the way of God's salvation? They looked at James as he gives a verdict and they write a letter and send it out to the Gentile churches, letting them know about the fellowship between Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians and how they were to be, you know, relating to one another. This was a big moment in church history, y'all. This is a big moment. I'm painting this picture because I want you to understand this background and history of James's life and why it's so important to understand what God did with him from where he started. He's this great leader in the Jerusalem church. He's doing amazing things. He's, he was even known, it's written of him that he was known to be praying fervently at the temple. Praying that his people would come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Praying that they would accept Jesus as Messiah, that they would know the forgiveness of their sins. He would be praying. He was, he was steadfast as a leader. And he went on to not even just be a leader in the church. He wrote the epistle of James. He, he's kind of immortalized, right? You know, he's just immortalized. He, he, we read his letter today, and it's known kind of like a wisdom type book. There's a lot of things in there about how to live for Jesus. As a person, as a person who's committed to Jesus, you need to read the book of James. You need to read the epistle of James. We're talking about something that is heavyweight. And sometimes people have tried to act like James was writing against Paul. One, James' letter is older than, than, than Paul's letter starting off. James is one of the earliest New Testament writings. So it's worth you reading for that reason too. But also people have thought that James was writing against Paul because James writes about works and faith. And, and Paul is about faith alone. And they're like, oh, well, we got a con contradiction in the Bible. But actually, when you read James 2, 14 through 26, and then you read Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, we see they actually are saying the same thing in just different ways. James is saying, how are you going to say you got faith but it no works? He says, I'll show you my faith by my works. What he's saying is faith has feet. You go in Ephesians, Paul is saying virtually the same thing. You've been saved by grace through faith. It's not by works. It's a gift of God. In verse 10, he said, he lets you know, hey, for God has done this. He saved you so that you can now live out the works he's prepared. Same thing, different ways. James, in a lot of ways, we would look at him and be like, hey, this is an example of faith. This is somebody to look to. Like, hey, everybody, let's look at somebody. What does it look like to follow Jesus? What does it look like to live for the Lord? What does it look like to be committed, to stand? Matter of fact, at the end of James's life, he was martyred. 
to my full commitment. But you want to know something about James? James walking behind seeing his half-brother. James was an unbeliever. And you be sitting there like, you know, everybody was an unbeliever until they became a believer. But James walked very closely with Jesus for a long time. James was around and saw a lot of Jesus' ministry and was not a believer. James was around. Matter of fact, from when James was born, however old or however, however old he was when Jesus started his ministry at 30 years old, however old he might have been when Jesus was 12, when he was left in Jerusalem doing when they were celebrating the Passover and he was left for three days and he was in the temple teaching and they had to come back and get him. However old he might have been, James's entire life until the crucifixion of Jesus, James was an unbeliever. But I'm going to go even a step further. Not only was James an unbeliever, James and his brothers watching Jesus in his ministry, watching and hearing Jesus' preaching, everything that Jesus was doing, walking around Galilee, going back and forth to Jerusalem, James and his brother thought their big brother was crazy. Yep, yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. They thought Jesus was crazy. Now, why is this so important? Uh, matter of, you, you may be thinking like, Pastor Dara, you, you making that up. I want you to go in Mark chapter 3. I want you to go over in Mark chapter 3. We're going to read just a couple of verses. Verses 20 and 21. In Mark chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. I want you to read this for yourself. It says that Jesus entered a house and the crowd gathered again so that they were not even able to eat. So Jesus was in there going in there preaching and it packed house. Everybody wanted to hear him. Packing it out. Couldn't even eat. It was so many people. It says, when his family heard this, they set out to restrain him because they said, he's out of his mind. And you're like, hold on. It's his family. That ain't, that ain't James and the brothers, right? Jump down. Jump down to 31. It says, same chapter. Chapter 3, verse 31. His mother and his brothers came. Standing outside, they sent word to him and called him. A crowd was sitting around him and told him, look, your mother, your brothers, and your sisters are outside asking for you. He replied to them, who are my mother and my brothers? Looking at those sitting in a circle around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. Like, hold on, hold on, Jesus. Jesus really is sounding crazy. Now, maybe his mama and his, and his, and his brothers knew what they were talking about because he's flipping the script about what family really is. He's going from a blood family doesn't amount to the family we have of those who are committed to the will of God. Now, that, that's a whole nother sermon when it comes to the people of God and the family of God and that eternal relationship we have as being the people of God. But I want you to pick up on something. James and his brothers thought that big brother was crazy out of his mind and they were trying to restrain him. They were trying to stop him. They like, he, man, he embarrassing us with all this stuff. We got to stop this. We got all these people coming out here. We got to stop this. But it, didn't, it, didn't, it wasn't that they thought he was crazy. Matter of fact, James and his brothers made fun of their big brother Jesus. They was like, hey, won't you go on down to Judea? Let alone his life is in danger. Go down to Judea. Nobody, you, all, you want all this hype. You want all this recognition. Why are you hiding? If you want all this recognition, go do your stuff in public. And he says, they had no regard for his life. And they're making fun of him. 
maybe your disciples. You want to know why I'm hyping this up? Because we look at James' life at the end and we don't really realize where he was at the beginning. Some of us, we look at some people today. We look at their lives and they're, they're sold out for Jesus. They're living for the Lord. They are doing some amazing things, whether it's in formal ministry or they just running their businesses and they're going to work and loving their families and, and loving their children and taking care of business and, and serving at church and they're doing all these things and they look like a great model for Christ. But you don't know where they began. They could have been like James. And the rest of his brothers were one, that whole gospel message is crazy. Yeah, you could have been one of those people. Or you may be sharing your faith with someone that all they got to say is, man, all that stuff crazy. Oh, you, you ridiculous. That Jesus stuff, crazy. Or they may laugh at you. You taking a stand for your faith and they mock you for it. More from Dr. Jones in a moment. But first, during this month, you can request your MP3 download of the sermon series, Forever Family, with your donation to the ministry. This is a great resource where Dr. Jones teaches how believers do not relate to one another like family, but we are truly family in Christ Jesus. Go to daryljones.org, that's D-A-R-Y-L jones.org, to give and request your copy today. Now let's rejoin Dr. Jones for the rest of today's message. If you know someone that you are sharing your faith with, you know someone that you've been, you've been trying to, we like to say it like this in church, you're trying to win to the Lord. You know somebody like that and all they got to say back to you is how crazy that stuff sounds. Don't, don't quit on them. Don't quit on them. You have no idea what the future holds. You have no idea what God may do in their lives. Continue to share the faith. Continue to be an example. Continue to show and express to them, engage them with the love of Jesus Christ, with the holiness of Jesus Christ, with the justice and conviction and the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Continue to engage them because you never know what the future may hold, and what God may have for them. Yeah, they may be acting like you crazy now. Yeah, they may think all that stuff that you're talking about with church and the songs you're singing, and, and, they, make, and they, they think you're crazy. Or it could be the one that actually is making fun of you. They're talking about you crazy at school. You in college, they're talking about you on the college yard because the decisions you're making because of your faith in Christ at work, trying to do things properly and in order. You're trying to walk in integrity and they make fun of you and think it don't take all of that. And you're just sharing that you do it because you love Jesus. You do it because of your faith. You do it because of your witness for Christ. And they laugh at you. Let me tell you something. They may be laughing now. God may raise them up to be leaders later. You never know how God will move in the lives of people. And oftentimes, it's the people that's closest to you. I'm talking about coworkers and stuff. Some of you experience, you got family. You got family members that you love dearly, and they think you crazy with all this Jesus stuff. They laugh at you because it is Jesus stuff. Let me tell you something. Don't feel bad. You know why I can tell you don't feel bad? Don't feel dismayed. You want to know why I can tell you don't feel dismayed? Because Jesus' own brothers laughed at him. 
Jesus' own brothers made fun of him. Jesus' own brothers thought he was crazy. They thought he was cray-cray. They was like, this dude is, this dude is, this dude has lost his mind. What's even crazier about it is this, this whole thing about Messiah and what Messiah was going to do after all, think about this, it's mind-boggling. After all that Mary was told by the angel Gabriel, by all the miraculous things she had experienced, she even herself thought Jesus lost his mind. She was in on trying to stop him. Sometimes the people that's closest to you don't understand your commitment to the gospel. They don't understand the mission of God. Yet, if that's the case, don't give up. Keep going. Keep sharing the faith. Keep being a faithful and true witness. Because you never know what the future holds. And yeah, I know it's easy. I know it's real easy. It's easy to, to stop. It's easy to give up on them. Matter of fact, let's, let's, let's be honest. Let's be honest. I'm, you know, kind of thing, I'm kind of looking to the side. I'm going to let you know a little secret. Let you know a little secret. Truth is, the, when people for so long, they act like we crazy because of Jesus. And they, they laugh at us because of Jesus. And they make fun of the faith. Truth be told, in our humanness, we kind of wish this. Like, all right, you're going to get it. You're going to stand before God. And he's going to sing you to hell. That's what you get. Mm. That's how we feel on the inside. That's our flesh working we have to bring in those thoughts and take them captive to the obedience of Christ. When those thoughts pop in our head, we don't give up on them because we don't know what God's plan is for their lives. Jesus' own brother thought he was crazy. Jesus' own brother made fun and laughed and mocked Jesus' mission. They might be sitting there thinking like, hold on, what, what changed? He, we see later he's this pillar of the church. He's, 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 he's the leader of the Jerusalem church. He's the bishop. He was written by uh, later Christian historians. They say he was the bishop of bishops. You know, he, he, was, he was the one you look to. He was like, he had great respect and reverence. What, what brought him from laughing and making fun and thinking his brother was crazy to being one of the people up front leading the charge for the faith? This is what it was, y'all. It's, it's so simple. It's so simple. You might get mad at me. You might get mad. You'd be like, man, is that it? <laughs> this is all it was. The turning point for James's faith from moving to thinking his big brother was crazy and laughing and making fun of him and taunting him. Don't get it twisted. That John 7 is the brothers are taunting their brother. They're taunting Jesus. They're like, why don't you go on down there? Yeah, they're talking about they're trying to kill you. But you, you, want all this, you, want all this, you want all this excitement, right? You want all this recognition. Go perform your stuff and your disciples will follow you. We don't believe none of that anyway. That's basically what that John 7 passage, those first five verses in John 7 are saying. The turning point for James's life is this. And it's so simple. The truthfulness of the resurrection was the turning point. Yeah, James had seen his brother doing things. James had heard his brother preaching. James heard about the miracles, all those types of things. But it wasn't until the resurrection. This was the turning point. Jesus rose from the dead and James was confronted with the truthfulness, the historical resurrection of Jesus Christ. And 
that's when it's all turned. That's when it's all flipped. And I'm going to tell you why this is so important. You may be demonstrating all these things in the love of Christ. You may be talking about the mission of God. You may be talking about and showing the love of Jesus Christ. All those things are great and needed. Let me tell you something where the rubber meets the road is. When the truthfulness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of the sins of all sinners by faith who place trust in him, that's the turning point. That is the center of all human history and always will be. What do we do with the resurrection of Jesus Christ? James went from laughing and making fun and thinking it was all crazy to when he was confronted with the resurrection of Jesus. As I shared with you, if you're sharing the, sharing the faith with, with a family member, with a coworker, with a friend, with strangers, what you have to put forth in front of them is the truthfulness of Jesus' resurrection. And you tell them why it's important he rose from the dead. It's because he died in our place. He paid for our sins. And he was raised on the third day to prove that he indeed is Lord. To prove that our sins are forgiven. And to prove that we have the promise of eternal life. Because he has defeated death once and for all. And when James was confronted with that, he went from the kikis and the ha-has and all this stuff is crazy to he had to get in line and acknowledge Jesus is Lord. And it moved from uh, my brother to Jesus is Lord. And don't think that James became some leader because he had the in route. It was some nepotism going on. And, you know, that was Jesus's brother. No one brings that up. Only thing that people bring up is James's commitment and faith. This is why the Apostle Paul says in Romans that the gospel is the power of God to save all who believe. To the Jew first, then to the Gentile. It is the gospel that makes the turning point. So it's not enough to show and live the gospel. It must be spoken. And your lifestyle will validate the truthfulness of the gospel. But you must share the message. And share the message as often as you can because it's in that message that salvation is received. James went from laughing at Jesus to leading for Jesus. Because he came Face to faith, face to face with the resurrected Jesus. Now, you may be sitting like, yeah, Pastor Darrell, that was easy because he saw him face to face like Jesus appeared to him. Well, let me, let me share some good news for you. You know what Jesus told, uh, let's call him Doubting Thomas, but everybody was doubting, right? So, you know, what Jesus told Thomas, Thomas was like, look, I hear y'all talking about Jesus rose. I'm not going to believe till I see him. I ain't believing it. <laughs> the 12 was coming to Thomas. They came to him a couple times. They're like, hey, we, we saw the resurrected Lord. Thomas was like, yeah, I, I ain't believing y'all. He'd been walking with these dude three years. Why all of a sudden is he not trusting him? He was like, I got to see it for myself. Jesus appears to him. Jesus lets him look at the scarred hands and the scarred feet, the, 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 the scar in his side from the spear. And he, he bows down and says to Jesus, my Lord and God, he worshiped Jesus. As Lord and God. And I love Jesus' reply. He, Jesus tells him, he says, you know, you see and you believe, but blessed are those who believe and haven't seen. 
Jesus pronounces blessing on all of us who believe without having seen the physical resurrected Jesus as Thomas did, as even James did. We're even more blessed because now we're placing our faith not on what our eyes see, but on the word of God who cannot lie. When you come face to face with the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God has something for you. He's going to blow your mind because you don't know what God might do. God may do something like, you know, now they're not going to be James and be the leader of the Jerusalem church. They may not even be a preacher. They may not become a pastor. They may not become a Bible study teacher. What they will become is one who begins to live out the purpose God has placed on their lives from the foundation of the world. And we are a part of that as we share the gospel message. So may we never lose heart. We have no idea what God has in store. Let's stop trying to figure God out. Let's stop trying to tell God what he needs to do and how he needs to treat people around us. May we just be faithful to live and speak the truthfulness of God's message and allow the Holy Spirit to do what only the Holy Spirit does. God saves. We don't, you know, our job is contact. His job is conversion. Thank you for listening to Point with Daryl Jones. This was just one part from the series, Ordinary People, Extraordinary Experiences, where we learn how God uses everyday normal people to accomplish amazing things for the kingdom of God. If this ministry has blessed you and you would like to partner with Point Ministries, please visit daryljones.org. That's D-A-R-Y-L jones.org. Your financial generosity keeps us on the air. And we are grateful for your faithfulness. And remember, keep making Jesus the point.